Hello everyone, I'm Mike from The Self App, and thank you for listening to The Self App Podcast. This is a show where we discuss all things good thoughts, good words, good deeds related, and interview people passionate about being their best self, and who are helping others to be their best self too. Some of the segments include Coaching Clinic, where we talk to psychologists, motivational thinkers, and life coaches. Book Club, where we discuss and share reviews on our favorite books. Startup Spotlight, taking a pre-seed and more often than not non-techie view on starting a business and running a business. Health and Fitness Hustle, where we provide tips, tricks, and training from experts. And Esoteric Edge, a look at hidden or secret philosophy and how it can help you be your best self. If you haven't already, please download the Self app where we deliver you a collection of tools to help you be your best self. And 3% of all our profits are donated to charity. Hello, everyone. I'm Mike from the Self app, and thank you for tuning in. Today, it's my privilege to introduce you to Bob Berg. Bob is the author of a number of books on sales, marketing, and influence, with total book sales approaching 2 million copies. The American Management Association named Bob one of the 30 most influential leaders, and he was named one of the top 200 most influential authors in the world by Richtopia. Bob is an advocate, supporter, and defender of the free enterprise system, believing that the amount of money one makes is directly proportional to how many people they serve. He is also an unapologetic animal fanatic and served on the board of directors of Furry Friends Adoption Clinic in his town of Jupiter, Florida. So, Bob, the go giveaway. What's the premise of the book itself? Yeah, well, that's a great question. The premise is simply that shifting your focus, and this is really where it all begins, Mike, shifting your focus from getting to giving. And when we when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others. Understanding that doing so is not only a, a more pleasant way of conducting business, it's actually the most financially profitable way as well. And, and not for any kind of way out there, woo-woo, magical, mystical type of reasons. It actually <laughs> makes very logical, rational sense because when you're that person, who can take your focus off of yourself and place it on serving others, on helping others, on discovering what they need, what they want, what they desire, when helping them to solve and overcome their challenges and problems, when when helping them get closer to happiness, if you will, uh, people feel good about you. People want to get to know you. <clears throat> Excuse me. They, they like you. They trust you. They want to be in a relationship with you. They want to do business with you. They certainly want to tell others about you. So, you know, it's a, it, it's really, a, you know, it's not just some feel good type of thing. It's actual real world. This is how business is done sustainably and immediately. Mm. You know, so much of, of, of what you're talking about, we're really seeing in, in the corporate world and, and you're absolutely right. It's not woo woo. However, you know, your, your book really is focused on the entrepreneurial spirit. But what about those who aren't entrepreneurs? Does the message in the go-giver still apply to them? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because we think of the entrepreneur as obviously that person who has their own business, they're in business for themselves, they've created a business, maybe a product or service, or they're selling a, another product or service, but they um, they own their business and they have invested money in it or maybe brought on investors, a combination of both. Their end customer, their is the person they have got to please. 
because uh, you know otherwise they will go broke right if they don't so they're that that's they've got to be able to bring value to the marketplace now what about a person who is an employee in a company well they're not an entrepreneur but you know the same basics uh, and same basic principles are involved now we would say they are an intrapreneur they're an entrepreneur they need to be an entrepreneur within another person's organization and 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 let me explain why just as the entrepreneur must please their customer okay remember you know as an entrepreneur or a salesperson you know nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet right they're not going to buy from you because you need the money they're not going to buy from you just because you're a nice person they're going to buy from you because they believe they'll be better off by doing so than by not doing so which is the only reason why we would ever expect anyone to to buy from us well when you're an entrepreneur when you you still must add value to your customers only in this case your customer your customers are your maybe your supervisor your co-workers the owner of the company uh, maybe it's also the end user right it depends upon what you do as part of that you know part of your your job but here's the thing your employer is not going to hire you and continue to pay you because you have a mortgage payment to make on your home okay they're not gonna they're not gonna continue to pay you because you want to send your kid to a good college uh, they're not mm. going to continue to pay you just because you're a nice person they're gonna continue to pay you because they believe you bring sufficient value to the organization that makes it worthwhile and when you think about it that's the only reason why anyone should hire us and, and, and keep us on so whether you're an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur, your job is to find ways to to bring immense value to the lives of everyone you touch. It's such a profound insight and, and very different in some ways from um, perhaps a sense of entitlement that, that we see some somewhere in the market on, on both ends of the spectrum as, as employees and entrepreneurs and as entrepreneurs, as you say. Um, you know, Bob, this, this is such a powerful conversation for anyone who's listening and, and giving value. Can you please help us? Because I love the five laws that you share. Can you give us a quick review of the five laws that you and John share in the book? Sure. So the laws themselves are the laws of value, compensation, influence, authenticity, and receptivity. The law of value that says your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment which, by the way, can sound sort of counterintuitive when you first hear it. Give more in value than I take in payment. That sounds like a recipe for bankruptcy. But it simply means that the value-based experience, aside from just your product or service, but the entire experience you provide that customer is, is so immense, so amazing, that they feel as though they're receiving more in value than what they're paying in money while you make a very healthy profit. And so we simply have to understand that price and value are two different things. You know, price is the money being paid for something. Value is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something to the end user or beholder. So what is it about this thing, this product, service, overall experience, uh, whatever it happens to be that you're bringing to this that brings so much worth or value to that other person that they feel just great 
about it while you make a very healthy profit. In fact, in any market-based, um, what we would call a free market-based exchange, free market simply meaning no one's forced to do business with anyone else. In this type of exchange, there are always two profits, the buyer profits and the seller profits because each of them come away better off afterwards than they were beforehand. So that's basically mm. the law of value. Now the law of compensation, law number two says your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So when law number one says to give more in value than you take in payment, law number two tells us that the more people whose lives you touch with the exceptional value you provide, uh, the more money um, with which you will be rewarded. So, uh, you know, as, as um, uh, Nicole, one of the characters in the story, the CEO advised Joe, the protege, the law of value represents your potential income, okay? But just bringing great value to one person probably isn't gonna earn you a really big income. Law number two, the law of compensation is all about the number of lives you impact with that exceptional value. So we could say that exceptional value plus significant reach equals very high compensation. Law number three is the law of influence. And this says your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Well, let me just explain what we mean by that, because when we say place other people's interests first, we certainly don't mean you should be anyone's doormat or a, a martyr or self-sacrificial in any way. Absolutely not. It simply is Joe, the protege in the story, learned from several of the mentors, the golden rule of business, the golden rule of sales is that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you from others than by genuinely moving from an I focus or me focus to an other focus. Or as Sam, one of the mentors advised Joe, make your win all about the other person's win. Law number four is the law of authenticity. And this says the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. In this part of the story, Deborah, the mentor in that in that part, she explained a well, a lesson she learned early in her sales career, and that is that all the skills in the world, the sales skills, technical skills, people skills, as important as they are, and they are very important, they're also all for naught if you don't come at it from your true authentic core. But when you do, when you show up as yourself, day after day, week after week, month after month, well, people feel comfortable with you. They feel good about you. They feel safe with you. Why wouldn't they? They know who they're getting. You're the same person, right? And uh, mm -hmm. in in with that sort of, um, uh, just part of who you are, right? Your, your being, that continuity, that's very important to people. Uh, in order to, to kind of earn that trust, you've got to be consistent. You've got to be yourself. Law number five is the law of receptivity. And the law of receptivity says the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. 
And Mike, this really means nothing more than understanding that, yeah, you breathe out, you also have to breathe in, right? Mm -hmm. To sustain life, to thrive in life, right? You can't just breathe out, you've also got to breathe in. Uh, It's not one or the other, it's and, right? It's both. You breathe out carbon dioxide, you breathe in oxygen, you breathe out, which is given, you breathe in, which is receiving. Despite the messages we receive from the world around us, which are really messages of lack, you know, when you think about the horribly negative messages we receive from everywhere around us about prosperity, abundance, money, business. Uh, I don't know if it's that way in the beautiful land down under. It certainly is in the United States. You know, they make the wealthy people and the rich people and the, the business, they make them the villains. Now, if someone is because they've done something through nefarious means or they've, you know, uh, they've colluded with government in order to get special favors and that, therefore that's not a free market, right? That's a, okay, that's uh, absolutely, they, they should be in jail. But for the people who, you know, no, for most of us, people are not forced to do business with us. We have no special favors. Uh, we have to absolutely. earn people's trust. We have to earn the sale through giving immense value. But unfortunately, that's still not the message that most people receive about about money, about prosperity. So, you know, what we say is this, giving and receiving are not opposite concepts. Giving and receiving are simply two sides of the very same coin, and they work together in tandem. Um, you know, what we know. So it, it begins with the giving, right? It begins with the giving. And when you give value, when you give value to plenty of others, when you place the interest of others first, when you do it authentically, you've created that benevolent context to receive and receive in abundance, but you've got to allow yourself to do so. It begins with the giving though. Those are the laws of life, right? We plant before we harvest. We sow Mm -hmm. before we reap, we give before we receive. This is why John David Mann and I say that money is simply an echo of value, right? It's an Mm -hmm. echo of value. It's the thunder, if you will, to values lightning, which means the giving must come first. The focus must be on giving value to others. The money you receive that you allow yourself to receive is simply a natural result of the value you've provided. Wow, that's that's hugely profound, I, and I love the thunder lightning analogy. It, it really hit home. You, you touched on um, the uh, on Sam um, and mentorship, and I want to dive into that a little bit because I think it's such a key um, aspect for for everyone in the world who is you know whether an entrepreneur or an intrapreneur. What's the best way to find a mentor, and um, perhaps most importantly, what should an up and comer not do when they're trying to find one? Yeah, you know, that's a great question because mentorship is important. A a good mentor can really cut your learning time by by years. Uh, I would say in, in, in trying to find a mentor, what I would not suggest doing is simply approaching someone with whom you don't already have a relationship and just saying, hey, will you be my mentor? Because, you know, first, you've got to figure that if you want them to be your mentor, probably many others do as well. But asking that way does not distinguish you from anyone else. In fact, it, it sort of implies a sense of entitlement, like, hey, would you share 30 years of yours, you know, 
knowledge and wisdom with me, even though you don't know me at all, right? And so, so now that doesn't mean you can't approach someone who with whom you don't have a relationship. That's not the issue. I just wouldn't approach by, you know, asking someone to mentor you, you know, which which is a real commitment before you have any kind of relationship would be like asking someone to marry you instead of asking them out on a date first. And so, you know, so, so we need to understand that. Now, with that said, you can pretty much approach anyone. And, but what I would do is I'd maybe say it in a way such as, I know you're very busy. So if this is something you either don't have the time to do or simply for whatever reason would rather not, I'll absolutely understand. That's totally fine. Just wondering if I might ask you one or two very specific questions. Mm. Now, when you ask like that, let's look at what we've done. First, you've approached in a very humble way. You've mm. you've you've communicated that you realize this is a big ask. It's not something you feel you're entitled to. It's not something you take for granted. You're letting them know this is important and that you respect the process. Two, when you when you ask as you did you're giving them an out or a back door when you say you know if this is something you're just you know too busy to do or would simply rather not that's perfectly fine you know i totally understand that's i call that the out or the back door uh, this is a an emotional escape hatch you're giving someone people don't like to feel pressured or cornered or obligated so that when you say uh, you know that when you give the out or the back door you're really giving them a, a safe place and, and the thing is about the out or the back door, the, the bigger the out or back door you give someone to take, the less they'll feel the need to take it. Because mm. by you doing that, they understand that there's no pressure and that you respect their time and that you will always honor their time in the process. Mm. The third part of what you did is you said, may I ask you one or two very specific questions? Now mm. this, puts them at ease because it's not someone wanting to just, I don't know if you have this saying, but we say, can I pick your brain, right? That's a saying that it's like, can I just ask you a whole bunch of questions? Can I pick your brain? Uh, you know, which annoys people when people ask that question. And so, you know, I don't know what you use now there, but it's like, it's almost like saying to somebody, I'm just going to take up a whole lot of your time with a lot of nonsense questions, right? Exactly. You're not doing that. Instead, you're saying, may I ask you one or two very specific questions? Now, what does this tell this person, this potential mentor, that you have an agenda? And when I say agenda in this case, Absolutely. I mean that in a good way, right? You know what mm -hmm. you want to ask. You have a, a game plan. You're not going to take up a lot of their time unnecessarily, right? So most people, not all, but most people will say, oh, sure, of course, you know, go right ahead. Now, mm -hmm. you want to make sure you've done your research on them so you don't ask them something that you could have already found the answer to, right? And you want to make sure you've researched them that you know all, you know, as much about them as, as you should. That's just respectful. And then you're going to ask those questions and, you know, you're not going to take up a lot of their time and you're going to thank them profusely and let them know how much you appreciate their time and and you'll apply their information, right, their wisdom right away. And would it be OK if I, you know, circled back with you and let you know how things are going? And they'll say, oh, of course, sure, please do. Now, that very day, I would write a personalized handwritten note, just a short one. 
just you know dear mr or ms uh whatever their their last name is or first name if that's how it's been you know established uh thank you so much for taking such valuable time out of your day to speak with me your your wisdom is you know solid gold or you know your wisdom is priceless i i will apply it right away and we'll we'll get back and let you know how things are again many many thanks best regards sign your name put it in a an envelope uh, hand stamp it, send it out to, the, to them that very day. That will make a great impression. It will show them that you're taking the time that you care. Now, I would also find out what their favorite charity is, which, you know, again, you can probably find that online, but if not, you can always call and ask their administrative assistant. Uh, let's say it's the local animal uh, rescue. And uh, and and so you make a small. It doesn't have to be anything big, but a small donation in their name. Uh, they'll be notified by the organization that you know that you made a donation in their name, and and you, you're not doing it for any reason other than to just again let them know you respect the process. That while you are not uh, in a position to you know give to them as they are to you right now that you want to that you took time to find out what's valuable to them what their cause is and that you made a donation you know again these are just now you might a couple of weeks later uh you know call them back or email or however it was left and and let them know how things are going maybe you have another question here's the thing if a mentor protege relationship ongoing is supposed to happen it will if not it mm. won't it might be that's your only time you're gonna talk to that person great it was very valuable or maybe another mm. time and then you'll meet someone else and someone else and maybe you'll meet that eventual mentor or maybe not you'll just have a series of people who are it doesn't matter what i would ask people to do is to to not be attached to the outcome okay just mm. keep doing those things correctly and there always are going to be people there who will assist you, who will help you. And of course, when you're in a position to do the same for someone else, you'll do that. Absolutely. So, so can I extrapolate on that? Because you've you've given us such powerful kind of, uh, I'm going to paraphrase you, but point solutions in in you know an, an, an initial interaction. But how does a protege, if accepted, and if if a mentor really does want to invest because it is a huge investment how does a protege then in an ongoing sense provide value back to their mentor um because really it, it seems that they're not in a position other than perhaps some of these these thoughtful um pieces to be able to provide what, what what's your advice to proteges from a from a longer term engagement well, first, that is true. Uh, the protege is typically not in the position to be able to to give value to them in the same way. That's why you're the protege and they're the mentor. Just like one day you'll be the mentor and they'll be the pro someone else will be the protege. So the best thing you can do to give value to them is to to listen to them, respect them, honor them. Uh, whenever you can do something for them, hey, you never know when you can connect them with someone who might be a great, you know, connection for them or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, you just don't know. But, but really, it's just being a good student. It's being a good protege. That's great advice. Thank, thank you for sharing that, Bob. So, one of the principles in the book that I, that resonated with me was influence. How does a go giver create influence, um, both personally? Um, and in a business context and you know how does that directly relate to new business um, and even potentially to leadership 
Well, I think it's important first to, you know, to really define influence because it's it's one of those terms that now is so used, maybe overused, that it means different things to different people. So, so just so that we're all facing in the same direction, we can define on a, on a very basic level, Mike, we can define influence as simply the ability to move a person or persons to a desired action, usually within the context of a specific goal. Okay, by definition, that's influence. Now that's its definition. However, I don't believe that that's its essence. The essence of influence is pull. Pull as opposed to push, as in the old saying, how far can you push a rope? And the answer is not very, well, at least not very fast or very, very <laughs> effectively, right? Um, right? Which is why great influencers, what we call genuine influencers, don't push. They don't push their ideas on others. They don't push their will on others. They don't push themselves on others. They're not pushy, right? Um, you never hear people say, wow, that Tom or, or that Diane, she is so influential. She has a lot of push with people. No, we'd say she's influential. She has a lot of pull with people. Mm. Well, that's what influence is. It's pull. What's pull? It's mm. an attraction, right? What do magnets say? They attract, right? Uh, so pull, it's an attraction. Great influencers, genuine influencers attract people first to themselves and only then to their ideas. And they do this again through pull. Now, how does that pull manifest itself? Well, this is where we need to understand, you know, basic human nature. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I think Dale Carnegie summed this up beautifully in his classic, How to Win Friends and Influence People, what I believe was the underlying premise of his book, which is where he wrote, ultimately people do things for their reasons, not our reasons, right? So genuine influencers, they ask themselves questions to make sure they're focused in the right Place, which is always on the other person. See, we need to be inwardly motivated, but outwardly focused. So the genuine influencer would ask themselves questions such as, how does what I'm asking this person to do, how does it align with their goals, with their wants, with their needs, with their desires? How does what, what I want this other person to do how does it align with their values? What problems or challenges am I helping them to solve? Uh, how am I making their life better? How am I helping them achieve or attain what they want to achieve or attain? And when we ask ourselves these questions, Mike, thoughtfully, intelligently, uh, genuinely, authentically, not as a way to manipulate uh, you know, another human being into doing our will, but as a way of building everyone in the process. Now we come a lot closer to earning that person's commitment as opposed to trying to depend on some type of compliance. Mm. And it really ties back to what you said before, because you know, when people know you, when they like you and when they trust you, sure. they'll, they'll, they'll do anything for you. So. Thank you for coming a full circle there, Bob. But one final question, because I'm sensitive to your time, and I'm so grateful for just the stream of gold that you've shared oh, with us today. Oh, thank you. Uh, 
Thank you. <laughs> oh, it's truly my pleasure. Are there misconceptions about being a go-giver? Um, I, I will share mine. When I first saw this, I was like, oh, I don't really want to be taken advantage of. Right. Because um, <laughs> that's the thing. You think, oh, you know, it's yeah. an endless stream of giving to get nothing back. It's I'm breathing out, but I'm not getting any oxygen. I'm not breathing back in. Um, so how does a go-giver tell people, no, I don't want to do that? Yeah, well, first, so let, let's understand something because I think you bring up a brilliant point. There is nothing about being a go-giver that's congruent with being taken advantage of, okay? If, if, if you're, not you, but if, if one is a person who finds themselves being taken advantage of, and I don't mean once or twice or three, I mean, that's gonna happen in life, right? But I'm talking about a pattern of being taken advantage of. This is not happening because you're nice, it's not happening because you're a giver. It's happening because you are doing things in a certain way that creates the environment for you to be taken advantage of. Now, there are a number of reasons this can be the case. It might be a worthiness issue. It might be, uh, you know, there might be a certain payoff for it in terms of people feeling bad for you, which gets negative attention, which might be some people desire. It might, I'm not saying any one person listening that that's the case. I was saying it could be a lot of things. It could be the person doesn't have the tools to not, you know, they don't know better than to, to not be. I don't know. But if that's, if that's you, if you're listening and you feel that's you, the, the, the best thing to do is to acknowledge that because it's only when acknowledging that, that you're in a position to overcome it and then start questioning premises, you know, ask, well, why is it that I'm always being taken advantage of? You know, what, what, what's my responsibility? That doesn't excuse the other person what they're doing. Okay. But what's my response what's my part in this? that is creating the opportunity for people to take advantage of me. And, and that's Absolutely. something that needs to be you know worked through. Now, in terms of saying no to someone, as a go-giver, you're gonna have to say no much more than you say yes. Why? Because as a go-giver, you're doing things in a certain way that's creating a lot of success and prosperity in your life. And when that's the case, more and more people are gonna ask you to do things, which when you can help, great. But that's not, you know, we're talking about the real world. There are 24 hours in a day and some of those we actually sleep. So, um, <laughs> right. And so we can't, we, you know, we can't do everything for everyone, nor, nor should we. Okay. Yeah. When it's appropriate and congruent with our values, of course, we help whenever we can. But if it's not the right thing to do, if it's not the appropriate thing, then we say no. The key is to say no in a way that honors and respects the other person. You know, it could be as simple as when someone asks you to serve on a committee that you don't want to serve on. You know, if you say, well, I would, but I don't have the time. Well, you know, it's not that you don't have the time, it's that you don't really want to do the thing. And so if you say that to someone, they're going to say, well, well but time's not really going to be a problem. And they, they persuade you of that. Now you're in, a, in, in trouble because you either have to admit you were fibbing or you have to do the thing you don't want to do, right? Or they'll say, okay, Absolutely. well, that's fine. I'll get back to you in three months. Now you've just, as we say, kick the can down the road for three months and you have to do that. No, we can, should be able to be honest and genuine and polite and kind and, and so forth. So what if you just, when the person asks you to serve on this committee that again, you just don't want to serve on, you simply say, thank you so much for asking. While it's not something I, I want to do, please know how honored I am just to be asked. Boom, that's all you have to say. That's it. You don't have to give, don't give them an excuse. Don't give them something to, 
hang their hat on to be able to an objection to overcome. You just said, you know, thank you. Uh, I, you know, I so appreciate. Or uh, while it's not something I uh, would like to do, or while it's not something I choose to take on, however you want to say it, you know, please know how honored, or you could say, please know how grateful I am uh, to be asked mm -hmm. or to be thought of. You know, anything like that. It's polite, kind, respectful, tactful. You honor the other person, and you have respected your own boundaries. Amazing. Well, Bob, I want to say thank you and and how much I honor and respect you for coming on this show and speaking thank to you. our audience today. Um, you have just offered an, a, a limitless stream of gold. Um, if people want to find out more, please, please visit thegogiver.com. That's T-H-E-G-O-G-I-V-E-R.com. Um, you can find Bob's book that we talked about today. But there's also an, a, a series of books in there, Bob, um, relating to the Go-Giver philosophy. What are some of the other books that you have yeah, that, well, that people have, might, might want to have a look at? Yeah, we have the Go-Giver, Go-Givers Sell More, the Go-Giver Leader, uh, the Go-Giver Influencer. So John David Mann and I put a four book series together. Three of the books are parables and one is more of an instructional manual. Absolutely phenomenal. Well, look, I am absolutely thrilled. I'm going to go and pick up the the sell more book today, being that that's my profession. I've I've absolutely excited to be doing this. To our audience, I want to thank you for listening. And before you go, I ask that you do us a good deed and share this with one other person. And please leave us a five star rating wherever you tuned into the podcast. For more best self goodness, find us on social by searching for the self app. From us to you, keep up the good thoughts, good words, good deeds, and continue to level up your best self. Thanks, everyone.